Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 167 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the dreamscaping synchronicity-loving creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, Putting the K in Magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio. I'm not going to rush through this, but I'm going to try to squish a lot of content in today because it is the final offering video, podcast, blog post, or otherwise for this month's theme of signs, symbols, and synchronicities. It has been such a fun month, um, but I still have so much to say, so I'm going to try to squish more things into this episode than is probably appropriate. <laughs> but the first... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Don't get ahead of yourself, Joe. Before I get going too far, let me say a very big thank you to Maggie and Yahara47 for leaving me some awesome reviews on iTunes. Yee-hee! Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. I get a huge kick out of it. It helps the show. It helps more people find the show. I know you know that because I'm telling you all the time. So thank you so much for doing that. I really appreciate it. And you guys are super nice. Thank you. <laughs> I'm about to leave. Uh, not not the planet. Um, not even the internet planet. I'm just about to go on a three-week hiatus here on the podcast and in my videos and in my blog posts uh, the first three weeks of July. So let me give you a heads up about that as well. I will definitely still be posting to social media, um, Instagram especially, because I friggin' love Instagram. I just personally, that's for me. I'm having fun there. I really enjoy it. I also just like popping into Twitter sometimes just to say random things and to see what random things you are saying. <laughs> um, and I've actually started scheduling posts on Facebook because I thought it'd be fun for those of you who are new to me or if you've missed a bunch just to go revisit some old episodes of the podcast or videos or blog posts um, while I'm away. So I think I'm going to break up each week on Facebook into themes like I do every month so I can go back. I have three themes in mind that I just loved doing and so I thought, oh, I'll just revisit like the best of those three things on Facebook while I'm gone. So I'm just going to schedule as much as Facebook will let me schedule. Um, but I might not be there to interact with you every day. I'll pop in and out for sure. But if I don't like right away answer you, it's because you're on a pre-scheduled post. <laughs> you're reading a post that I posted a week ago or three weeks ago, however soon you find it. And then the next episode of Hippie Witch the podcast um, will be on the 26th of July, so almost a whole month from today. And then today, today's title is Presentiment, Spirit Guides, and the Magic of Liminal Space. And yes, 
That is me trying to squish a lot in, as I said. <laughs> the way I promoted the show on social media today was by asking a few questions. So I will ask them here. If you don't follow me on Facebook, I said, are you being divinely guided? I did not say it like that. I don't know why I'm saying it to you, I think, because I'm reading it. <laughs> Let me start again. Are you being divinely guided? Are you willing to step into the unknown in full faith that the next right step will be revealed? What if there's danger up ahead? Will your guides give you fair warning? Or are you just doomed to wait and see what's going to happen? I'm going to say no. You're not doomed to just wait and see unless you are. But you do have a choice in the matter. <laughs> You're not doomed to just wait and see if you are willing to see. And I would add if you have a lot of experience because it takes time. First, you have to be willing to see. And then you have to learn how to see. And probably you have to unlearn how not to see because kids see. I feel like the blinders go on slowly over time as we get older. So it's probably a process of unseeing. <laughs> I'm full of it today. Oh, my God. I hope you're following me. It's more... <laughs> It's probably more of a process of unseeing. Let's just leave it at that. Um, a lot of us that are in the New Age community, we love our tarot cards and runes and crystal balls and predictive astrology and all that good stuff. We're trying, we're trying to see into our own lives and what's going to happen and to prepare ourselves or to give ourselves a heads up. And those things all are awesome and they have their place. But in my opinion, they are never going to take the place of walking the liminal path, which I might have just made up. <laughs> walking the liminal path. That sounds like something. Somebody should write a book called Walking the Liminal Path. Um, what I mean by that is stepping into the dark, into the unknown with perfect love and perfect trust that just as you lift your foot, to take the next step forward, the path will be revealed and so on and so forth. So you don't, the path is unfolding as you are walking forward, but you don't know what you're walking into. Um, you're just taking one step at a time, faith by faith, uh, trusting that you will be guided. And uh, that's, that's tricky business. And only the truly courageous need apply. And keep in mind, too, that the root of courageous is courage, heart of the heart, acting from the heart. That's what it means to be courageous. And that, I believe, is when divine guidance comes into play, assuming that you are a drop of the infinite ocean of divine energy. <laughs> and the more courageously you act, the more you strengthen that muscle and the more willing you will be to step into the dark the next time. The liminal space, the space in between. Uh, often, I, I, I won't speak for everybody, I often think when someone says liminal space, I often think of Halloween or Samhain um, on the wheel of the year, the time I call the winter transition. <laughs> Some people call it witch's new year. Um, and then we have another time like that on the opposite end of the wheel called Beltane or Mayday 
for you muggles out there. But those are the moments on the year, the point on, you know, the phases of the moon, the sun has its own phases. So we call that the solar year, the solar cycle. cycle. So those are the points on the solar cycle in which people, people often say that the veil between worlds is the thinnest. And that's why many witchy folks like to practice divination at those times or to try to make contact with loved ones who have passed over or to even reach back far into their ancestry. Um, and the veil between worlds is not just about the dead and the living. It's about uh, the spiritual world and then our 3D mundane reality as well. And then liminal space, it can mean a lot of different things. It's the space in between, but that can mean so much. Liminal space is also when the moon is dark, the space between lunar cycles. And if you work with the moon in a magical sense or as a part of your manifestation practice, um, which I like to do, the liminal space is the dark moon phase. It's the time of the unknown, the dark time of release. Um, and again, divination is a really popular thing to do around this time because you're looking for guidance for the next lunar phase, you know, so we often release whatever isn't working for us or release, you know, whatever's time has come to let go. And then we do a bit of divination so we can determine how to proceed in the next phase. Of course, you can just live your life and not do any of this, but I happen to think it's fun and interesting. <laughs> so I do. Um, so the liminal space in terms of the lunar cycles is the point before you set a new intention for the next cycle. In a more mundane, everyday kind of way, liminal space is the time liminal. I feel like I'm rushing through that word. Liminal. Liminal space is the time just before you fall asleep and you find yourself kind of half awake and half asleep. Um, which is an amazing time for communing with the other side or just kind of getting into that, you know, half and half state where wisdom starts to pop up or you start to kind of dream, but you're not all the way asleep. That's another liminal time. And if, and then if you've read or you're currently reading Robert Moss's Sidewalk Oracles, and I know so many of us are, you know that liminal space is also the airport. <laughs> he travels a lot for his work, and he's in airports a lot. So it's funny how airport conversations and airport experiences are, like, woven all through this book and his other books I have found as well. Um, and this includes, too, bus and train and subway stations or maybe just the bar that you're waiting at in between <laughs> getting on your plane and your rental car or something those are also liminal places um, and that liminal space that kind of liminal space he claims is the playground of the trickster I don't know if he worded it that way but I like to word it that way the playground of the trickster it's the time where Divine guidance really makes itself known because you're thrown off your game a little bit. You know, you don't really know where you're going. You got your map pulled out or you're, there's a delay and you're sitting around and waiting or you're running because you might be late. Um, you're surrounded by people that you don't know in an environment that's not necessarily familiar. Um, and it requires you to pay closer attention 
so guidance that might always be there, all of a sudden you might be more aware of it. Um, and then there's also more probability of chance encounters or so-called random events to take place, which if you are a witch or now a chiromancer, a person who practices the art of navigating life by synchronicity, chiromancy, I love it. Um, <laughs> you know that you're in prime territory for some major guidance to take place. Um, so chiromancy, if you don't know, is a, is a word that Robert Moss, he, he coined a term based on ancient Greek, um, kairos, and it's a person who practices the art of navigating life by synchronicity. So you're not just seeing these coincidences that happen in your life as just being random and like, oh, that's weird. You're like, oh, oh, what is the guidance here? And then you allow that to deliver a message to you, which is always open for interpretation, obviously. Um, so that's what I mean by the magic of liminal space. Uh, I can't get into too much. But I think, I, where did I talk about the trickster? I talked about the trickster here at some point, but the trickster too makes appearances all throughout Sidewalk Oracles. Um, this is the last time I will be talking about this book, but I totally recommend checking it out if you think this stuff is fun. You have no idea. <laughs> he makes it so fun. He makes it so much fun. I mean, so if you're like, I, but yeah, but I know about synchronicity and I do live my life this way. The way he presents it is just, it's so much fun. Um, and then I also wanted to talk a little bit too about spirit guides, which is why I put it in the title. So I would like make sure to remember to talk about it. Um, I just wanted to reiterate quickly here for the umpteenth time that you can absolutely be an atheist or a woo-woo skeptic and still develop a relationship with spirit guides. Or if you're a Christian, Jesus. Um, this is for everybody. This guidance is available to us all. And if you're a skeptic or an atheist or you don't really know what you believe and you think woo-woo stuff is woo-woo, weird, um, you can simply see them, spirit guides, as an anthropomorphized aspect or personification of your higher self. Um, if you have a hard time with the concept of you having a higher self, you can just think of it as an archetypal thought form or simply the part of you that knows better, your conscience, if you will, because we all have that. We all have that voice in our head that knows better. Like, don't do that. Remember what happened last time. And then you go and you do it anyway. <laughs> um, when you get to a certain age and you've gone and you've done it in, and you've done it anyway, you start to be like, hey, that voice kind of seems to know something. I think I'm going to pay attention to it next time. Um, I created, and I've said it here many times, a really fun little tutorial called Creating Thought Forms That Spring to Life. If you want to learn how to create a thought form and to actually work with it, it's, it's so much fun. I love it. It's on my website, www.joannadebo.com. It's on the left-hand sidebar. I have like some eBooks there and, and you'll just see it. It's easy to find. Creating thought forms that spring to life. Um, if you don't know, like, eh, I don't know about spirit guides and, or if you do, and you just want to work with a, a different kind of energy, um, thought forms are really, really fun. Some people call them servitors. I call them straight up thought forms. <laughs> I think I don't like the word 
servitor servant if it doesn't feel I don't know I don't like that energy for me I don't like the word servant so much and that's what it reminds me of so that forms is good enough for me <laughs> and that's how really I began working with Athena um, and the queen of swords for example I talk about her a lot now and for me she's very very real but I'm never gonna say may, never say never but I don't foresee myself claiming that I'm being guided by an ancient Greek goddess. It's an energy. I see it personally as an aspect of myself, um, an aspect of my higher self. I think that I am an expression of the divine. So this is an expression of me. It's a drop of the divine, the divine, <laughs> to say that. It's just a way of pulling out that knowing and giving it a form. Uh, it's like an anchor that I can rely on, you know, when I start spinning out or when I don't know what to do next or I need some guidance. I can call on that part of myself through this thought form or through this focus of energy. A lot of people believe that if many, many people, especially throughout history, hold the same thought form and they build on it and they tell stories around it and the whole mythology develops and manages to survive hundreds and hundreds of years like Athena's has, that it has even more energy than one that you just make up yourself. Um, so that's interesting to consider as well. But this the whole skeptic thing, that's why I often encourage people who just can't get into the idea of God or even like ancient pantheons of God and goddesses, um, to, just to start playing around with maybe creating a modern day pop pantheon of comic book heroes and characters from movies and books and TV shows or even, you know, rock and roll legends to just start working with. Um, energy that way the first thing that just popped into my head when I was saying that is so weird uh, but I'm going with it <laughs> I've been putting together fun things to do this summer a, a, a blog post and um, I can't remember if I put I've made a film festival like to have your own film festival at home I've made a blog post about that a couple different times where I recommend fun movies to rent you know and have like a little some summer fun, film festival and I was putting together a new one, and I'm like, have I ever recommended True Romance before? Have you seen True Romance? Um, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie that came out in the 90s that I have 10 million times. I loved Alabama Whirly, <laughs> which was Patricia Arquette's character. That movie is so wild. Yes, it's violent, um, but it's, oh, it's so good. I do have a point. What is my point? Because now I'm like wanting to tell you about all the different characters in True Romance and how awesome they are. Oh, um, Clarence. Uh, Christian Slater's character, Clarence. He has a spirit guide. His spirit guide is Elvis. <laughs> so talk about a pop pantheon. He talks to Elvis when he's in the bathroom and uh, he sees Elvis in the mirror and Elvis like gives him guidance. It's like his spirit guide. So one, that's a really fun movie to rent this summer if you've never seen it or if you just want to have a blast for the past. And two, that's just a really funny but also totally legitimate example of spiritual guidance in the form of Elvis Presley. Um, and also, you don't have to work with a character. You can just work with your own body, which I talked about in last Thursday's video 
which actually did not get a lot of commentary. So I don't know if I've just mentioned this so many times, y'all are just sick of it. And you're like, yeah, we know, Joe, you keep talking about this. Or if it's just funky, a funky vibe that day. But um, the video is called Six Steps to Reading the Sign Language of Your Body. And um, it's about becoming more psychic and intuitive by learning to read your body's very own sign language, the signs and the symbols and the messages that come through your body, which um, I explained in that video as your, your body has its own innate wisdom. I believe it has its own messages for you, but I also believe that your soul speaks to you through your body and that that's another amazing practice. Uh, in Sidewalk Oracles, remember last week I was talking about games, like magical games. Um, one of the games, games number 14, uh, I think it's called Playing the White Queen Gambit. <laughs> um, and it's about, I had never heard of this term, presentiment. Have you ever heard presentiment? Presentiment is usually not a good thing. Um, it's the old definition of the word is basically uh, it's a foreboding, like when something in your body is telling you something bad is about to happen and then it happens. I think most of us experience this as a gut feeling. So like presentiment is when you get like a feeling in your gut that like, whoa, I shouldn't go into that building right now. And then you go into the building anyway and something bad happens. So that's a form of divine guidance in my opinion. Um, Robert Moss was saying he doesn't like the word presentiment um, and that he prefers anticipatory symptoms. <laughs> he just likes to make up shit. <laughs> um, anticipatory so symptoms, presentiment, whatever you want to call it. He gives an example of how he went. I'm going to screw this story up, but I'll do my best to remember it off the top of my head. But he went to uh, um, his doctor for some reason. He was just getting a checkup. And the nurse checked his blood pressure and it was like, whoa, it was really kind of off the chart. And um, which surprised him because he thought he had good blood pressure. And then they, I don't remember why they had to give him an injection of some kind moments later. Um, and the nurse hit his vein in a funky way and blood started spurting out like crazy in a really scary way that scared her. And he remained very calm throughout. And then when it was over, he said, can you check my blood pressure again? Because he knew about presentiment. And he thought perhaps his blood pressure was high because his body anticipated, oh, my God, we're about to get stuck by a needle and blood is going to go everywhere. <laughs> so in his mind, he's like, you know, that might have been a moment of presentiment. Let's check the blood pressure again. So they checked the blood pressure again. She did not want to, but he encouraged her to do so. So she did. And come to find out his blood pressure was perfectly fine. Um, and he said to her, I believe, I have a quote here. It's like a disembodied quote here on a big blank screen. But uh, I wrote it for you. I wrote it down so I could read it to you. Okay, he said, this is what he said to the nurse. He said, there's hard laboratory research that suggests that subjects can exhibit physical responses to events before the actual event takes place. 
I guess that's how he got her to to <laughs> to take his people that have to deal with Robert Moss. I think probably expect he's going to make strange requests like this because <laughs> he and it's interesting too how like he meets all these strangers in airports and stuff, and people get into the weirdest conversations with him and tell him really interesting things because he wants to go there and he's like willing to go there. So he said that to the nurse and she checked his blood pressure again. But um, basically the body or the energy field around your body, AKA your aura, it has a kind of sensory system that is always on the lookout for any changes that might affect it. Intricate antenna. (laughs) More wordplay. Um, Intricate antenna, as Robert Moss puts it, that are constantly scanning the environment for a potential threat or jarring experience. Um, One of the primary symptoms that I had when I was in the throes of post-traumatic stress disorder was hypervigilance. And that's kind of an extreme version of this, I think, because you're constantly scanning your environment for any potential threats and your senses are on high alert. Um, It's not a fun place to be at all. Don't recommend it, but um, I have, I don't know, I'm just throwing that out there. I have definitely experienced anticipatory symptoms on a really, really intense level. Um, So I totally got this section. It's actually a tiny little part of the book, but I wanted to tell you, I'm making good time. I'm so proud of myself today. I wanted to tell you why he calls it the White Queen Gambit, because I know so many of you are a fan of um, Alice in Wonderland, Alice's Looking Glass, and all of that. You know, we often just say, like, oh, I went down that rabbit hole. It's just, like, part of the vernacular now. Like, we just talk that way. Um, So I'm going to – I have the book here, and I'm going to read a little piece to you with the last couple minutes I have, because it's really fun. So he says, Robert Moss, Uh, My favorite term for this kind of thing is the white queen gambit. In Through the Looking Glass, the white queen screams for she pricks her finger. When her brooch pin subsequently flies open and she does prick her finger, she doesn't need to scream. I've done all the screaming already, says the queen. What would be the good of having it all over again? It seems that the body or the energy field around it, oh, I've said this now, um, has intricate antenna that are constantly scanning for changes that will affect it. Woohoo! Because I have a couple more minutes, let me just say the rules for playing the White Queen Gambit. If you want to play this game, if you want to experiment with it, he says, one, just pay attention to any sudden change in what you feel in your body. Uh, that video that I did on Thursday, six steps to reading the sign language of your body. It's basic. I know it's not glamorous. I think maybe that's why a lot of you didn't comment on it. <laughs> it was like crickets. It was like, oh, thanks for the nice video, said no one ever. Because <laughs> um, it really wasn't that, you know, exciting or glamorous. But it's it's basic. To me, that's like a fundamental being able to read the signs of your body is so important. I'm also a health nut. Um, so I teach people how to do a body scan um, when they start healing their health through food. So I can totally nerd out on that. But the first step to playing the white queen gamut is pay attention to any sudden change in what you feel in your body. Step two, self-scan to check the source of the shift. 
uh, blah, blah, blah. You may be experiencing presentiment. I'm reading the book right now. Alternative, alternatively, you could be experiencing telepathy, which I also mentioned in that video. Um, because when you get really good at reading the signs of your body, and paying attention, like when you have that foreboding feeling before you go into the building and then you don't go into the building, something starts to happen and you start to be able to pick up on other people's energies. If you're very empathic, you may already have this going on um, even before you play the white queen gamut. But the more practice that you have and being able to read your own signs and synchronicities, you start being able to do it for the people around you, which is really fun, a good party trick. <laughs> Um, number three, check for subsequent events or discoveries that may reflect that shift in your body. Number four, develop a personal code for signals of this kind. <sighs> Do I want to get into all that? I don't know. The whole book of signs thing that I was talking about a couple weeks ago, you might want to just track like when, oh, when I get a headache, that usually means the weather is about to change or whatever. You just start taking note. <laughs> And then the final one, log your findings in your journal. So that was another video I did this month, creating your own book of signs. So uh, you can track this stuff and get really good at it because it's fun. So I am taking off. I'm taking off July 1st, the first three weeks of July. I will be back here July 26th talking at you. Until then, I hope you have an amazing summer, winter, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. And um, until we meet again, much love, guys. Peace.